Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez. Hopefully you guys are really, you know, focusing on the road today. This, this rain is terrible. My condo that I rent out is flooding. My, my my streets where I live at are flooded. I feel like every, the rain just hasn't stopped. But you know what, though? You, you can't complain about the rain because it's better than snow. That's why we always say that, especially in these months. February, March, you just, you just got to be glad that it's not snow, and then you just accept the fact that it is rain. But, uh, again, man, be careful on the roads. People are idiots. Can't really see out of your blind spots. The last thing we want is for you to be in an accident, one, because it'll suck, two, because you got to stand out in the rain. And that's probably the worst thing that you got to deal with, uh, or second's the worst thing probably in those situations, all right? Uh, it is game. I am actually going to be hanging out with you guys till 7.15, leading you right into deep ball basketball. Uh, Zach Zaidman, Dave Corzine, got the call on that one. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and start the show the way we always do. Top three stories in my brain in no particular order. I call it the trifecta. Three. That's a magic number. Morell going to third. He will slide. He's got a triple. Number three. So today's trifecta is a little different. Obviously, we all know we're in the lull of sports right now. Everybody. I was just listening to Parkers and Spiegel, so we know, we know that, what that sounds like. Um, so my show is no different, right? we got to be creative. we got to be innovative. And today, my trifecta has to do with predictions. Predictions for our Chicago sports teams. Three. Only three, though. And the first one is the Chicago Bulls. And my prediction is this. The Bulls are, in fact, going to miss the playoffs. It sucks saying that. It sucks, like, thinking about that. And, you know, it's just, it, 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 it's painful. But the Bulls are currently 11th in the East, two games out of the play-in. 13 of their final 23 games are against teams that are at or above 500. 13 of them. That sucks. Especially when you're trying to battle battle back and climb up a hill. Only four of those games that are left are against teams that are currently seated 7 through 10. So it's not like, you know, in baseball, last couple weeks of the season, you, you know, you face the Twins three times in a row and you have that feeling in your heart that if you just sweep them, you kind of sort of get yourself back into the mix. Not necessarily the case for the Bulls. And then if you're thinking like, well, okay, maybe there's a handful of them that are at home. Nope. 12 of the of the final 23 games are at home. It's just, let's just be honest, man. Pat Bev's cool. And we're going to hear from Kendall Gill, who was on with Mully and Hall earlier and what his thoughts are about Pat Bev. You've been hearing people talk about it, but it's like, he's not going to make a difference. The Bulls are going to be the Bulls and it's just going to be about the offense, right? If you're asking me, why aren't they going to make the playoffs? It's not because they don't have the talent. I, I genuinely feel the Bulls are an extremely talented team. I believe in Zach Levine as the leader of the squad. I, I believe in DeMar DeRozan as a complimentary player and Vooch as, as a big that can create problems for other teams. The problem is, is making it work together, right? And I think Billy Donovan's just struggled with it, and not because he's a bad coach, but because it's a tough task to get that to work, right? And Julia Paul yesterday on the show she said it so well, man. She's just like, hey, man, AK knew what he had, right? He put this team together, put the slapped the little, you know, sticky duct tape on the on the side of the, the, the gallon to stop the leaking. But then he didn't do anything after that, right? So I think all those things put together, it's just going to be a recipe for disaster. Bulls going to miss the playoffs. 
it's going to suck watching everybody else. But at least the Western Conference is going to be good. Bulls, that's my prediction, unfortunately. Not going to make the playoffs. Number two. Sticking with my, with my predictions here inside the trifecta on 670 to score. We're going to go over to the south side and talk about the White Sox. My prediction is that the White Sox are going to win 88 games. Everybody had, Last year they finished at 500. A lot of places got them at like 83 and a half, 84 and a half. I think the White Sox are going to win 88. Now, will, it, will that equate to a playoff berth or an AL Central title? My crystal ball's a bit murky when it comes to that, but the win total is solid at 88. I mean, then, then you got to ask why, right? Well, the starting pitching, still in the top half of the league. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, assuming a bounce back for Giolito, Kopech, and then fill in the blank with whoever else you want in the back half. I mean, that's a really solid starting five. And, again, in the top half of the league. And the assumption also is that Pedro Grafal, right? Are you here with this assumption that he's going to have the team playing at a high level? And not in spurts. Because that's what we saw last year, right? Where they were, there would be games where you saw the talent of the Chicago White Sox. But I think he's going to do it consistently throughout the season, which ultimately should equate to what? Winning series, the occasional sweep. Sox are still going to disappoint us, though. But they'll be competitive, and I think that's a good thing. I think I've been trying to wrap my brain around, like, what are my expectations for the Chicago White Sox this upcoming season? I don't want to invest my heart, my emotions. I don't want to do that. That's just That sucks. But I landed on 88. I wonder what you guys think. All my Sox fans that are out there, 312-644-6767 if you want to put your win totals out there. I'd love to read those for you. All right, last one inside the trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. Number one. So I couldn't decide if I wanted to go Cubs or Bears. And I was like, ah, Bears. We're just oversaturated with everything Bears. But I was like, Cubs, nah, I'm going to stick with the Bears. So my prediction for the Bears is that the Bears will do the right thing and trade that number one pick, and it'll be with the Colts. And I was looking at their draft capital, the, the, the Indianapolis Colts, and, you know, they have options, right? Guys like Anthony Richardson from Florida, if you really believe in a guy like that, if you believe in a guy like Will Levis. I mean, then there's four quarterbacks out there for you to be taken. And if, you, if you've if you conceded the Bryce, Young, the Bryce Young draft pick and said to yourself, well, that's not going to go to me. Somebody's going to trade up to one or – the Texans are going to get it. Then if you're looking at four and you're the Colts, you could potentially stay there. But I don't think they'll do that. I think they're going to trade up. They're going to fall in love with somebody. They're not going to want to play any games, especially with an in-division opponent. And the picks that the Bears are going to get. Got to be specific in the predictions, right? Four, 35. The fourth pick in the draft. 35th pick in the draft, which is the second rounder. And then the Colts have two fifth rounders. 140, pick 140 and pick 164. So I think the Bears will probably try to lean on that 140th pick. And then a 2024 first rounder. Why not? Just did that because it sounds sexier. Nobody wants a fourth, fourth pick, the 35th pick, a fifth rounder, and that's it. No, no, no. So I'm predicting a 2024 pick. I think Ryan Poles will do a good job of just bringing in them assets and asking for some sort of something in the future. And maybe it might not be a first. It might be a second round pick. But nonetheless, it will be with the Colts, and there will be a litany of picks that will come to the Chicago Bears. There goes my prediction for the trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. That's a magic number. Sheesh. I think those are good ones. Those make me happy. You know, on a gloomy day like today, in the middle of nothingness when it comes to sports, you got to get yourself happy somehow, some way. Bulls missing the playoffs, it actually does make me a little happy because it means that they're in the lottery and that they have an, a chance at ending up with a top four pick. That's the ones that they can keep. And so that that makes me feel good, that you can get like a Scoot Henderson, which some are saying is the next coming of John Morant. Victor Wembenyama, that people are obviously saying is a franchise-altering big out of France. So there's some guys there. And then there's the twins, the, the Thompson twins that are out there. So that gets me excited. So that's why the Bulls won, despite the fact that they're missing the playoffs in my predictions, that, you know, there's still some 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 light at the end of the tunnel. And then it allows AK to definitively blow up the team or at least remove a piece. That's what I, you know, there there goes my prediction 1A. DeMar DeRozan will not be a member of the Chicago Bulls next year. That's going to be the piece that's going to go. It's going to be Zach Vooch and somebody else, but it's not going to be DeMar. There you go. Damn, I sound like a Debbie Downer right now. Uh, But speaking of the Bulls, I did mention that Kendall Gill was on with Mully and Hall today. And he had had some interesting things to say. And, And the reason why I love hearing from Kendall Gill and, and, 
him, Will Purdue, Jason Goff, they do a phenomenal job covering the Bulls because they keep it real, right? It's like they work for the team, but they're not sugarcoating anything. And when you're talking about Kendall Gill, he has a connection to the team, as does Will Purdue. And, of course, Goff being a Chicago guy, he loves the Bulls just like anyone else. So so they, they have zero hair on their tongues when talking about this Chicago Bulls team. So that's why you got to really pay attention to what they're saying. And first thing he talked about with Mully and Hall was just Pat Bev, right? That's what everybody's been talking about. And people are curious, like, what is he actually going to bring? Because it's not like he's starting. He's not going to come in and take Io's job, or at least I don't think. And so he's coming off the bench, and then you're not necessarily sure what you're going to get from Pat Bev, what he's really going to bring. But Kendall Gill talked on that. I'm of the same thought process. Uh, you know, I, I think that they do need something to, to get them jump-started. You know, maybe this is it. You know, I've, I've watched Patrick Beverly a number of years and everything, and, and you know, listening to his press conference yesterday, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he, what he brings to uh, the locker room. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see, see because this, this came out of nowhere for me because I, I didn't even think that uh, Pat Bev was on the Bulls' radar. But he does bring uh, a guy in the locker room that will speak up when, when he sees something that's not going right. Um, so, and I think that that's something that we need because, you know, the Bulls, I mean, we, we, we got, we got nice guys, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes you need that guy, uh, that will step up and say something in the locker room when things are going wrong. It's funny Kendall saying that because I just played ball today. I was at Jesse White, the Jesse White Park District over on Chicago, east of Halstead. And we play there usually on Mondays, but, you know, we've had some President's Days and, other off days on Mondays. So the park district was nice enough to give it to us on Wednesdays. And a lot of guys that I play with, it's, it's funny hearing Kendall say that they're, they're, they're very nice guys. They're the guys that like when they get fouled and somebody's like, dude, you hacked them up. And they're just like, Oh, it's all right, man. Don't worry. Whatever. Or like if the ball goes out of bounds and it's off them clear or it's off the opponent, clearly like they won't want to argue and they'll just be like ball up top. Whereas like me, I'm the Pat Bev. I'm the what? Absolutely not. The ball went off him. What are we talking about? Why are we doing this? Like, so I get that sometimes you need someone to kind of sort of, you know, push the buttons for you because you have a nice team. And of course, Pat Bev's that dude. I mean, he went to high school literally. I live a block and a half from where Pat Bev went to high school. He went to Marshall over on Adams and Kedzie. And I stay right over there, just, you know, west of the United Center. And so, like, you, you understand that toughness. You understand that, like, when people ask, this is a great conversation because people often ask, you know, why do guys from Chicago get hurt a lot? And why do guy, why are guys from Chicago, you know, really good in, in their one-on-one game? Well, the answers are very simple, right? Why do guys from Chicago get hurt a lot, like Anthony Davis or, or Derrick Rose? Because they spend their entire childhood playing basketball on concrete. I spent my whole life, like, everything. Like, imagine just jumping up and all your body weight landing and you're on the concrete. Runners don't run on concrete. That's why they run in the grass, right? Because it's it's less stress on their knees, on their body parts. And and a lot of the, the young talent from Chicago, I mean, in, in the inner city, I mean, that's what you're doing. You're playing on the cement. You're playing on the schoolyards. You're playing in the park districts. You're playing in your alley, whatever that might be. And then when you ask, you know, why are guys so good in, in the one-on-one game? Why can D-Rose get to the cup, you know, Get take the contact, still make a bucket. Why? Why are guys good in that sense? Why is I also good getting to the cup? Slash, because we played twenty one and thirty two, and when you're playing thirty two with six guys and you got thirty, guess what? You're getting you're not getting double the triple team. You're getting six double teamed. Whatever the whatever that is, hexa teamed, and then you got to find a way to score. So those are the two things that you know that Chicago grit that is embedded into the culture of Chicago basketball, specifically in the inner city. It comes out in the NBA form with guys like Pat Bev and such, like Aya, right? Gritty defender. You got to play D and you got to be able to get to the cup. Might not be a great shooter, but, you know, you can do these other things. And Kendall Gill continued. Not only was he talking about Pat Bev with Mully and Hall earlier today, but he, unlike my prediction, feels like the Bulls still have a shot at the playoffs. I think the Bulls can still make a run. You know, just too much talent on this team. We've seen what they can do. Uh, when they stick to the game plan and when the big three are 20-plus points per game, you know, maybe you just need that, that the one influence that can continue to push them in that direction and, and know, look, when we get off the rails, we need somebody to get, get us back on the rails. Maybe that's 
uh, Pat Bev's uh, role on this basketball team. You know, because I think, look, I think the Bulls are a very good team when they when they play the way that they're capable of playing. That's playing through Vooch, uh, not playing a lot of one-on-one basketball until it's time, uh, letting um, Zach do his thing when he gets the basketball, uh, and then letting – but in order for that to happen, you have to play – through Nikola Vucevic, which we've been saying night in and night out on the show. That's not saying necessarily that Nikola Vucevic shoots the basketball every time. It's because he commands a double team in the post. And now when he commands a double team, when he kicks it out, because he is a willing passer, when he kicks it out, you got open shots for everybody. That's why uh, it's important to play uh, the way that they play when they play through Vuce. Tough, man. Tough because – when Zach gets the ball and he's being, you know, criticized for going one-on-one, you could actually just be like, well, shouldn't the coach draw a better place for him? If you're getting, if you're getting DeMar in his spots, unless, unless that's what Zach asked for, and I don't know, right? Uh, that's the part I don't know about. But I do know when you're talking about one-on-one basketball, at least they, they create the space for DeMar to get into his favorite spots, and then there's the one-on-one part of it. Zach gets the ball on the wing, tries to get to the cup. Like There should be some sort of movement there for him. I don't know. But what do I know? Um... Kendall Gill knows that the Bulls are going to make the playoffs. That's what he's saying. I, I disagree, but, you know, that's, I, 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 I wouldn't mind seeing an extra game or two from the Chicago Bulls. Uh, it's Gabe Ramirez right here on 670 to score. Um, one team that I did make a prediction about was the Chicago Bears. I had them move into four. And our next guest can kind of speak to that prediction and whether or not he agrees with it. Uh, Chris Rose from the NFL Network is going to be hanging out with us after the break. Also the host on John Boy Media. What does he have to say about the Chicago Bears? Does he think they'll stand pat at one? Or does he think maybe some other uh, rumor that we haven't heard yet? We'll find out on the other side, though. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm going with my man, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, You know, I've I've seen him in action. I've seen how he can separate himself like that. And, you know, his just body control is, is crazy. And, you know, he didn't get to play this past year. He didn't get to show what he could do. So, um, you know, I'm hoping he falls to us somehow. But I don't yeah. know. 
but we do have you know some some help that we need on in the in the trenches so you know a lot of people are talking about us taking Jalen Carter or uh, Will Anderson uh, Jr. so we'll see we'll see what happens so I'm guessing we'll get one of those guys and you know maybe some guys in free agency but you know one guy that I would love to have is uh, Jack and Smith Justin Fields sounding like me talking about Justin Fields but he was talking about Jackson Smith and Jigbo right there of course his former teammate at Ohio State where will he go in the draft Jackson Smith and Jigba well, we get to talk to somebody who might know. Uh, Chris Rose from the NFL Network is hanging out with us right now and joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Chris, good evening, man. Good, good to talk to you again. How are you? Hanging in there. Uh, you know, just it's, it's cool to be a Bears fan right now. You know, it, probably not during the season. That part sucked. But now that we're in the offseason, yeah. it's cool again. Got a first pick, got some money. You know, just it's like it's like a... Chris, it's like when you play the, the Mega Millions, you know, you pay a dollar and then what you're, what you're really paying for is the opportunity to have conversations with other people about what you would do with the money. And this is kind of like how I feel right now where, you, you know, the Bears have the first pick and you just you just you just have the opportunity to have the conversations about it. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's for the first time in franchise history um, since the, the common era draft started in the late 60s. You guys are on the clock first. So this is new territory. For fans included, um, you know, all your good Bears fans that you talk to, I, I'd be curious, what is the split right now on hanging on to the pick, trading Justin Fields, or trading the pick and putting more people around him? I would say it's probably 5 five ninety. <laughs> I think 90% of the people want to uh, go ahead and trade out of that first pick. I say five would yep. say use it, five would say trade Justin Fields, and 90 are are on board with, with trading down. Yeah, I, that, I mean, that's the direction I would go, to be honest with you. Um, they can get a ton of difference makers. Obviously, the, the Claypool trade was – that wasn't good so far. Um, so you need to get, you know, an extra second rounder in there. You know, they've got a lot of gaps right now. And they're in a division where the Lions have significantly improved I don't know where the Packers are, and, and you know the Vikings every year are coin flip. So they're not in the, they're not in one of the toughest divisions in football, but they're in a division where if things bounce the right way, they could have some trouble. You know, um, but I I still think you got to give Justin Fields a shot here. I I, I really do, I, and I know that his passing skills it it feels like it's been stuck in neutral more than anything else. Um, but man, he just felt like he was running for his life for so much of last season when he was healthy. Yeah, so I would give it another shot. Yeah, it, 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 that part is the part where I struggle with Chris in terms of Justin Fields. Where I'm all I'm on board. I'm part of the ninety percent. Keep Justin Fields, you know, work around it. But I'm but I'm not the delusional ninety percent that thinks there is no chance whatsoever that any of the quarterbacks that are coming out this year have the potential to be better than Justin Fields. Right? Where I still am fearful. I have that like small little bit of doubt in the back of my brain, like, oh, I hope we don't get this wrong because this would stink, right. you know. That, like, and I think that's the part that really that really scares me. But but the Bears have to get it right. That I think that's what's important. Do you, do you think there's a way that they can mess this up, or do you feel like this is kind of foolproof? Where you know whether you stay at one, whether you you do trade down a little bit, like you're still going to get it right somehow. Or do you feel like there is maybe an opportunity for the Bears to screw it up somehow? Well, I. I don't think I would look at it that way. I know that it's it's hard when you're picking first and as rough as the season was. I actually think the Bears are in a decent position. I I got to be honest with you. Sometimes when you get to one, uh, it's truly truly a hopeless hopeless feeling, right? Now some years you luck into it. Like we feel like Trevor Lawrence. We saw it toward the second half of the season, and then with a playoff victory, like he feels like the real deal. But there's been plenty of times when quarterbacks have gone one and you're like, what the hell is this, right? I I would say with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I think at the top of the list, and then, you know, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson after that, um, you know, they all have significant questions with them to the point where, you know, some of the same questions were being asked about Justin Fields when he came out. You know, that year where there were five quarterbacks taken in the top half of the first round. Um, so that's why it just doesn't feel like 
a, a true home run, right? I mean, that, that's just the way it goes sometimes with first-round quarterbacks. So I would increase my margin of error by trading out of that pick, picking up multiple extra high draft picks. And that way, if let's say you end up trading back a few spots and you pick up three draft picks for, for the number one or four draft picks, and two of those guys hit, well, then that's a win. You're absolutely right. I mean, because they say if you can get two starters out of a draft, then, then your draft was a success. You saw Ryan Poles do it last year with Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon. And, yep. and, and, and so if he can duplicate that this year, and obviously you have a, a, you're in a better position with a higher draft pick. But I'll tell you this, Chris. I, I, I would be extremely disappointed if they fall further than fourth just because we just hear so much about the Jalen Carter and Will Anderson dynamic duo that both of them are just going to be these generational talents. So, so I feel like I'd be disappointed. But, but what I hear you saying is, you know, stockpiling the picks is more important. So, so do you, would you look at it as a loss if they did make it to like seventh with the Raiders or ninth with the Carolina Panthers and they, they take themselves out of a position to draft either of those defensive standouts? Okay, well, if you fall that far back, you are getting a boatload of picks. Okay. I mean, a ton, right? I mean, for a team to move from 7-1 to one or 9-1, to one, that is a significant jump. You know, you might see a couple of spots. But to move that far up, that is a lot of draft capital that you're going to collect. Now, here's the good news. I even think that if you go back to four, let's say, let's say you trade with Indianapolis. Now they're on the clock and they're going to get whatever quarterback they want. Well, other teams are going to be itching to move up. So if there's still a quarterback, and I can't imagine there would be, right, with Houston going at two, but let's say that somebody wants to beat somebody else to the punch to guarantee that they can get the third best quarterback at number four overall. You could then trade back a couple of spots from there and still feel like we can get the guy at seven that we could have gotten at four. And, oh, by the way, once again, we just increased our draft capital. That's kind of the fun part of the game for the Bears. As long, But this is all predicated on the fact that you are in on Justin Fields. Right. If you are not in on Justin Fields, then what we spent the last six minutes talking about does not matter. <laughs> We're talking to Chris Rose from the NFL Network. Uh, of course, the Chris Rose Rotation Podcast and from John Boy Media as well. you got to follow him on Twitter. Chris Rose, great follow, puts up some great stuff, not only about his personal life, but also about some good sports stuff that's out there as well. And i got to admit, Chris, it's, it's tough for me to be – like I mentioned, I, I still have that little bit of doubt in the back of my brain, and, and I think it's not because of Justin Fields. I think it's still from Mitchell Trubisky, where yeah. you know you, you you bought into this quarterback, and he, you know he had the tools and the size, and you, you you thought so so highly of him, and you 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 championed for him, and you defended him to the death, and then you get this new guy, and you're saying to yourself, I, I feel like uh, this is bizarre, Orlando. I feel like I'm having deja vu right now where I am defending a guy who clearly with his statistics is showing me, you know, he's not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, but that happens a lot. I mean, get in line. I'm a Cleveland fan. I mean, holy (laughs) smokes. Be thankful that you haven't had to buy one of those damn jerseys where there's 33 different starting quarterbacks on the back of it. You know, so I, I get it. I understand the frustration. I understand the fact that you feel like you've got some quarterback scar tissue, right? I mean, yeah. Who was the last Bears quarterback they drafted that made the Pro Bowl? Wasn't it Jim McMahon? Like, mm. yeah, that's. The Grossman. I mean, ever, I guess did Trubis- Grossman ever make it? I don't. I don't know. think Grossman did. Oh, and okay. I guess to be honest with you, I think Trubisky made it. One of those oh, times he did. where, like, where they take like the the eighth best quarterback because <laughs> four guys pull out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't. He he was never a guy who was one of the top three selected. I guess that's my point, right? Yeah. Um. So I understand that, and particularly with the way it ended up, because. Patrick Mahomes goes, you know, eight picks later and is already possibly a top five quarterback in the history. So I understand all the trepidation, the angst, all that comes with it. But, I mean, like I said, this happens to almost every franchise. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you guys definitely had to deal with it. Even in last year, I mean, with the carousel of quarterbacks you guys had, trying to figure things out, that, that was tough. Where, where, do you, where do you guys, where do you feel like you're at? 
with the, as far as the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Browns are concerned and and what direction they're heading because it sounds it seems like they should be a team that should be in the playoffs next year. They got the great backfield. They got some obviously you know weapons in, in the wide receiver room, and then uh, Deshaun Watson being able to participate fully from the beginning of the year that that should do wonders for you guys. Well. Listen, if you watched any of his six games that he played, I mean, first of all, we have to – I'm strictly talking about football when it comes to Deshaun Watson. Sure. The sure. rest of the stuff, people have a, a wide range of emotions that I fully understand. I always think that teams put their fans in a very difficult situation um, when moves like this are made. And, you know, I've had fr- friends that have been lifelong Browns fans who called me and they said, I'm out. I mean, I get all that, but when we're just, just now we're talking about the football side of things right now as Deshaun Watson, the football player, he was severely below average and I get it. He hadn't seen any competition in two years. Plus, um, if he doesn't get anywhere close to where he was when he was at the top of his game in Houston, this is going to set the franchise back a, a little while because they gave up six picks and the $230 million guaranteed to the point where he's going to be on the books for almost $55 million cap it next year. And we all know that the larger slice of the salary cap pie that your quarterback is taking, that means there's that much less to improve your team elsewhere. And, you know, I, I got to tell you this. We know they've got Nick Chubb, but they're about to lose Kareem Hunt and probably Dearness Johnson, so the backfield's going to look different. Outside of Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, they don't have a good wide receiver room. Uh, Their offensive line, they've invested heavily there. Defensively, outside of Miles Garrett, um, they don't have any pass rush whatsoever. The next guy in the line had three (laughs) after Garrett had like 16. Hmm. So... There, but with all that being said, they were seven and ten and in a lot of games. So we know that things can shift quickly in this league. Yeah, and if you want to trade wide receiver groups, please by all means. Let, oh know. yeah, listen. <laughs> hey, compared to you guys, right, right, right. You kidding me? That's compared what I was like. To you guys, we look like the Bengals. I, I was, mean, I get it. I heard those two names and I was like, wow, that must be nice right. to, have, to have those, those two guys. Uh, Chris, you know what the good thing is? You being a Cleveland Browns fan, me being a Chicago Bear fan. We have to find entertainment in other other areas, and fortunately for you, you get to call something that's pretty damn cool, man. I mean, BattleBots is something that if you've if you've never watched it, and then you just spend five minutes watching it, it is extremely entertaining because it is very similar to a regular any sporting event with human beings, but it just happens to be with these amazing, incredible contraptions. So for people that haven't seen it, uh, we air every Thursday night on Discovery at um, 7 o'clock Chicago time. And it is a pair of 250-pound robots that are inside of a bulletproof glass cube. And it's a three-minute fight to the death, or then we go to a judge's decision. But it is amazing the way we've completed seven seasons now, and it's absolutely unreal. Every year we do it, I'm more amazed with the engineering, the ingenuity, the creativity, the amount of time and their own money that these people uh, spend on building these robots, which could eventually be destroyed in about 23 seconds. Uh, Literally. I mean, you've got, blades, you've got blades that are spinning at 250 miles an hour tip speed, um, you know, fire-breathing dragons. It's just great stuff. The thing I love most about it, and i got to be honest with you, I didn't know a damn thing about it when I signed up to do it in 2015. Right. Like I, walked, I walked in there, I was like, what, the, what, what world am I in? What planet <laughs> did I just walk like, on? Sure, but sure. It is, now we shoot it over a two-week two span every year in Las Vegas, and it is so much fun. It's like going to summer camp because you have people from all ends of the earth coming in to do this. And um, it's great because there aren't a lot of TV shows that are – for a wide range. They're either kids shows where us as parents were like, get me out of here. I yeah. can't watch another minute of this. Or they're too adult where you're like, Hey kid, go throw on your gamer headset. I'll see you in a couple hours. Sure. This one, you can watch it if you're five or 75. So if you haven't seen it, give it a shot. I guarantee you, you'll enjoy it. Got to check it out. And I got to ask because I mean, in any sport, and I would call this a sport as well. In any sport there, there's a Muhammad Ali. There's, you know, a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Who's the, who's the, who's, who is that of the robot battle bot space? I would say right now it's uh, a bot called Endgame. 
they're a past champion. Our trophy is called the Giant Nut. Please don't giggle. <laughs> oh, um, damn, damn, too late, Chris. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I knew it. I should have warned you ahead of time. Uh, and, you know, they also won a, a thing called the Golden Bolt, which is kind of a spinoff, a uh, kind of tournament of champions, if you will. Um, really, really good kids uh, from Australia. Really interesting. And they have the confidence to match. And their weapon is ferocious. So they're trying to win their second giant nut in the last three seasons. We'll see if they're able to pull it off this year. Can't wait, man. Make sure you guys check it out. BattleBots Thursday, 8 o'clock on Discovery. Chris, I appreciate you hanging out, man. Always love talking to you. Always great stuff. And uh, have, have a great evening and enjoy your kids, all right? Absolutely. I appreciate it. And make sure, you know, let's check in before the Bears do something crazy at the end of April, okay? I would love that. Chris Rose. From the NFL Network, joining us right here on 670 The Score. Guys, got to make sure you go follow him, man, at Chris Rose. Once you see his face, you're going to be like, oh, wait, I've seen this guy my whole entire life. I've been watching this dude. Uh, So he's really, really cool. I mean, BattleBots, if you watch, he does a great job there. Uh, Of course, the host of the Chris Rose Rotation Podcast and Baseball Today uh, for John Boy Media. You got to make sure you guys uh, check him out, all right? Um, You know, speaking of baseball, There was an interesting interview that took place today between Tim Anderson and Chuck Garfine. And a lot of people were up in arms about with what Tim Anderson said specifically about about Chuck and and, and the support that that the team received last year, the type of support. And I don't know. I I feel like I am a a Tim Anderson defender. And I want you guys to be able to hear the cut, give your opinion yourself and tell me what side are you on of this argument. Uh, We'll listen to the audio on the other side. After the break, it's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I think you see the way I play. You know, I play to win, you know, every night. But yeah, man, I definitely want to win. You see those numbers up there, it's like the last one's 2005. You know, the goal, you know, the goal every year is to, you know, try to win a championship. That's no secret. Um, but we just got to continue to keep going and try to accomplish that. Tim Anderson right there from the Chicago White Sox. I got to be honest, man, there are a handful of Chicago athletes and as guys or girls watching these games or these teams, you know, you, you you have those that you root for, that you cheer for. And then you have those that you're like, bruh, I wish we were homies. And Tim Anderson is one of those dudes. And I feel like I've been in media long enough in this city where I'm like, damn, why? Do I need to move to Alabama? Like, do I got to move down south to get into the same spaces as Tim Anderson? I tried to I tried to go to a sneaker ball. But the tickets were like two fifty, and so I was like, uh, "I want to be your boy, but if if I buy my wife a ticket and me, argh. and I tried to hit up my shout out my guy Chris Quintana over for the Chicago White Sox, and I tried to throw one of those uh, Judge Mathis would call it dry begging. It's where you be- like backdoor your way into like asking for something, but you don't ask anything. So you're like, hey, I was like, hey, are you going to the Tim Anderson, <laughs> White Sox, sneaker ball? Nah, I'm busy, bro. Not going to be able to make it. You? He was like, you? Damn. That's not, that's not the response I wanted. I wanted like a. One of the, oh, oh, you want tickets? You know what I'm talking about, studs. I wanted the. Oh, we've all, we all do that. Yeah. No, I'm not going. But, hey, bro, if you want to go, I got you. You know. And I have, I have some really good friends that, that do work for the White Sox that I probably could have leaned on, but I didn't want to do that. But T.A. is one of those dudes. I even have his his clothing line, the TA7 shirt. Like it's one of my favorites. I wear it to work out and I try to channel my inner TA. When he wins the batting title a couple years ago, if you're a Sox fan, you're just saying to yourself, like, what the hell just happened? We 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 have the guy who who led the AL in in in, in batting average? That's crazy. And then he consistently does it, bats over 300, but he's a he's a quiet guy. Right? He's not the he's not some vocal outspoken leader. He's not Elvis Andrews. But he is like the heart and soul of this Chicago White Sox team and we saw it last year towards the end of the season when he wasn't playing and the the team just didn't even have that spark. So it was interesting to hear Tim Anderson talk to Chuck Garfine. And it was an awkward exchange. But I loved it though cuz Tim was just keeping it real. Chuck got a tad bit defensive because he he was, but rightfully so because if they're 
there are like two people that are super homers when it comes to the White Sox. It's me and Chuck Garfine. Like we are two of the, we ride with the team, we die with the team. Like we are both the same. So I, I, I felt Chuck when he was talking to Tim and Tim was kind of leaning into him a little bit. And Chuck just started to say like, hey, dude, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I got your back. But then Tim kind of changed the conversation. You got to take a listen to it and see, see what your takeaways are. Here's Tim Anderson uh, with that exchange with Chuck Garfine. If you're a part of this and you're like, and you're like one of our supporters and you see somebody struggling, that's like, you know, that's kind of like, uh, you know, if you see your wife struggling, you're going to pat her on the back, right? So that's kind of one of those things. If we're on the same umbrella, I think we should all be pulling from the same screen and not tearing each other down um, and not tearing players down. Or, you know, we don't tear you down. So yeah. I think it's just one of those things. We've got to support each other. We support you. We make ourselves access to you, yeah. you know, when you want to talk to us. So it's just kind of one of those things that we all got to be, you know, be on a positive screen and pull from the same screen. I think we can be better as a whole. Was I tearing you down? No, you weren't tearing me down. You just make it. You was causing a lot of confusion. You know what I mean? Just, I was causing. I was. <laughs> listen to after a lot. I mean, but you got to think about it. The fans listen to you. Yeah. Right. You're right. talking. We don't talk. We just play. Well, you, no, you talk. You can talk. We don't. We don't talk though. We're in the game zone. We don't talk. They're listening to you. Right. So if we're putting out positive energy, then positive energy is going to always yeah. follow us. You know what I'm saying? I tried. Yeah. I tried to be as positive season. as I could. Okay. It's a rough season. It's okay. <laughs> we understand. You know, but but don't let me go, man. It's to, you know, just continue to go out and, and play hard and, uh, you know, really see what happens. Uh, we got a lot of room to grow. We got a great ball club, a lot of energy. So, I mean, we can sit here and talk about the same thing. I continue to keep telling you the same thing that I said last year and the year before and the year before. But, yeah, man, go out and just play hard. Yeah. See what happens. He also said in the things like, hey, man, you know, I, like, we make ourselves available for you so that you can have content. And so we just want to be pulling on the same string, like he's saying, essentially being on the same side. And and he felt like Chuck should, should have been a part of that or the media for that matter. But the example that he used in the beginning was like, you know, your wife's struggling. You know, when your wife's struggling, you pat her on the back. But T.A., sometimes we tell our wives or our wives tell us, where we can improve. Occasionally, occasionally, not all the time, occasionally, you also mention when you're wrong, when they're wrong, and when they can be better. And I think that that's okay. And I think that it sometimes players don't understand that. Yes, it is our job to report and give opinions, but we all, like me specifically, I can't speak for everybody, but me, like I'm still a fan, like a big fan. So what I often say, if you hear me, which I rarely do, but when you hear me criticizing people, it's it's more so saying, I always like give a caveat at the end that says, I would say this to you if you were my boy. I say that a lot on this show. And I think with T.A., it's the same thing. It's like, if you T.A., if you were my boy, yes, I would try to you know give you a pat on the back instead of a kick in the butt, but I would also be like, hey, bro, what's up with them errors? Right? Like you would say the same thing. And I think that that's okay. So it's it's not malicious in any in any way, shape, or form. I just love the fact that T.A. was talking to somebody, getting me some T.A. audio. That sounds great. I love hearing from him. He is a cornerstone member of this franchise, undeniably. And, you know, here's the other thing, too. Like, it's like, it's like man, T.A., like, I understand what you're saying, but, like, you're not my wife. You know, dead. Like, <laughs> You're right. You know, let's just be like, like, listen, man, like everything that like when I when I, if I'm criticizing you at my job, like the way that I always ha- always had it put to me or I had it put to me at some point in the last few years was was it's OK to criticize, but don't per- don't insult like don't mm. personally insult. Yeah. You know, if you're criticizing the way that you disagree that someone is doing their job as sure. you know, GM player, whatever, like just don't make it personal. Yeah, and so I, I, that I makes made, sense. So you know, if TA, TA maybe took some things personally that Chuck was saying, I guess I don't know. That's, right. that's what I was getting out of it. Because the same thing applies. You're right for for when you're when if we're going to continue to use the wife analogy here. I mean, it, the same thing holds true for that, right? If you are arguing or discussing something, you should avoid insults and making someone you know that those kinds of attacks. You should stick to facts. But again. I got to defend Chuck Garfine because he is a super homer. I watch all the post games on NBC Sports, and he is as emotionally invested as anyone else. Well, and he's the last person to the last like, person. openly criticize the team. Yeah. You know? Or, or the last person that you should be saying is, like, bringing you down. 
or bringing the team down. I don't think he's doing that. I think he, like everyone else, was frustrated at the end of the year when the Sox were underperforming. And that's okay. I mean, everyone thought you guys, the Sox were going to win the World Series or make it make a deep playoff run. So anything other than that was was understandable. But see, and that's the other thing too. It's 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 like again, like TA. Like I understand, like you you don't, you know, if you don't want to be criticized, you you took offense, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's just hey man, you didn't meet the expectations that you set. Yeah. So like. We were following your guys' lead on this, and it was frustrating, you know, the last couple months of the season to see, like, it's almost like the fire wasn't there. If my wife leaves the, no, I won't say my wife. If I leave the same cereal bowl in the sink, unwashed and without water in it, once, that's okay. If I do it for six months of a season every day, my wife will lose her bananas and go jamón, huevo, y queso. Like, she will go crazy. Like, so that's what was happening with the Sox. It's not like it was just a one-off. It was continuous frustration for months on end. And so at some point, someone got to say something. Like, hey, guys, you suck. It's okay. You suck. Come back. Get them next year. <laughs> but the good thing is, T.A., and you heard him say it in that statement, I genuinely believe that he thinks the White Sox have a very good team. And he talked about one of the latest additions, Elvis Andrews, and what their relationship is like. Yeah, we got a great relationship. You know, just you know, just learning from him and watch the way he go about his business. And we talked, we talked a lot. Um, you know, just understand each other's background, where we come from, and we get it. We get it, we hear it, we hear it, you know, do our jobs and whatever that is and wherever they need us. Whatever it is, yeah. you know, we're here to play, man. We're here to play. We're not here to tear each other down. We're here to play and, uh, you know, have fun and, and fill in wherever, wherever needed. I love it. I love it because Elvis Andrews can bring the best out of Tim Anderson and vice versa, right? When you see a young guy that's playing at a high level, it brings you back. It takes you back to that time in, in your life when you were playing well, and that's, gonna, that's what's going to happen for Elvis Andrews. Now, another player that I feel like a lot of Sox fans are down on, and so I'm glad that Chuck asked the question about this particular player and Tim's thoughts on him. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Joe Kelly. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think he's going. He looked good today. Spring you know, training. I can't really talk too far to the future, so I, ain't, you know, I'm not going to put it out there. But I do hope yeah. he does have a great year. Yeah. Uh, his stuff looked good today, and, and we know he throws hard. Yeah. So um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just really just controlling, you know, controlling, uh, you know, all his pitches. And if he could pound his own, then you're right. He is going to have a great year. And obviously, these guys go up against, the, you know, pitchers in, in certain instances. So, I mean, they know what they're talking about. And obviously, everyone thinks highly of Joe Kelly. He was supposed to be a great addition. You know, seems like a guy that can be exactly what you want him to be, a, a middle reliever that should be consistent. But it was a great conversation between Chuck Garfine and Tim Anderson. I loved it. Loved watching it. And then I love how it ended. You know, because when you're calling somebody salty, that means you have a good relationship with him. And Tim was talking about just that. Yes, yes. I mean, those are the easiest shows to do. I just watched a White Sox victory. I could go three hours on this. It's the losses that are tough to talk about. You go three hours on win, and you go four hours on losses. <laughs> uh, sometimes we have to go. For, no, we don't go four hours. But for sure, like we hear you. Like we get it, though. It's all like it's all the business. So, yeah, we, we get it. We yes. get it. You know, we're just trying to be friends, though. You know, we don't want beef. We don't want you beef with nobody in the club. No, I was no, just no. They, they, they gave me this hashtag, Salty Chuck, last season because I was getting salty on the air. <laughs> be like that. Be like I don't that. want to be like that. I know. I don't want you like that either. That's bad. <laughs> I don't want you walking around salty. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's, it's Salty Chuck and Happy Chuck. So whatever you can to, to make me happy this year, I, I'd appreciate it. All right. <laughs> T.A. Chuck Garfine, man. Could you imagine him in the dugout? Like, let's say if he was in the locker room and like just to, so that he can be more like interwoven into the into the the roster. So he could feel be feel cool with everybody, have better personal relationships. And they put in the hashtag on him, salty Chuck. I'm dead. That's that's great. TA, fantastic stuff right there. Hopefully you guys have a lot of, of victory so Chuck Garfine's job can be uh, a lot easier. One of the one of the best guys in the business, Chuck Garfine, makes me happy every time I see him on the airwaves. And then, of course, when he's talking about a White Sox winner, it makes me feel even better. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score. Don't forget, Deep Hall basketball taking on Butler today. 715, Zach Zabin, Dave Corzine got the call. 
Uh, and I got you guys leading up to that. So we'll we'll discuss a little bit more Chicago sports on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez, 670 The Score. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Got a couple minutes before we send it over to DePaul Basketball to taking on Butler tonight. Zach Zabeman, Dave Corzine got the call. Just got a couple things on my mind before I let you guys go. First, first one is that the NBA All-Star Game was the least watched edition in history. Ratings hit a record low. No surprise there because the game sucks. Everybody knows that. And then you've been hearing so many people complain about it. And it's like, well, what do you, what do you expect? That's why they changed the format of the, the All-Pro Game because guys don't want to play at a high level because they don't want to get hurt. Same thing for the NBA All-Star Game. I mean, teams used to play a little bit harder, a little bit of defense. I would love that. Like when Jason Tatum was going up against Jalen Brown, two teammates on the Boston Celtics were playing on opposite teams. Like this is what the NBA All-Star Game in the current format was literally made for so that guys like that could be on. Like that's what you want to see. Like they get to go up against each other. That's cool. But they don't play no defense. Like. That, that, that part sucked. So um, hopefully they'll change it and do something about that. Um, another thing on my mind is the text messages that came in. A lot of them were saying that maybe it was a veiled message to Chuck's partner, Ozzy. Ooh, dirty. I mean, he did say you, and he, he mentioned Chuck. But I could see where Tim would maybe feel a certain type of way about of some, some of Ozzy's comments. From the 312 said, Tim spent a lot of time watching the games on TV. So he probably sees Chuck and Ozzy a lot when he said he's most frustrated like a regular fan who can't take much more of the part-time players. So, I mean, I get it. That part's tough. It's tough It's tough when you're a player and you have to watch those things because they're human. We know that. They're just regular guys. They just happen to be incredible athletes and way better than 99% of the people that play the exact same sport. We get that. But... I don't want to throw any more shade at, at Chuck or Ozzy. Those guys should get over that. Something else that's on my mind is the fact that, you know, there comes a point, if you guys gamble, there comes a point in time when you have to reload your account. And I, I hit that point today. It's been a while. It's been months since I've had to reload my account. And I tell, I tell you guys this often. If you do gamble, like you got to have a strategy. And I don't mean strategy like, you know, how to bet certain things, but a strategy in terms of when you should be pulling out money. You shouldn't be, the, the goal shouldn't be infinity, right? You're never going to win that. And if that's the case, you're always going to end up losing. That's why casinos and Vegas wins money more than anything. And what I like to do is I like to get to a certain number. And once I win over an amount over that, that number, then I just, that's the amount that I pull out. So I'm constantly, I'll tell you guys, I don't care. It's 500, right? So once I get to 500, I like to pull out anything over that. And then I just have 500 to gamble with. Well, I was betting on the Champions League yesterday, soccer. Won some good money. Felt good. Felt like I knew exactly what I was talking about. I'm I'm an expert in soccer. Undefeated, won money. And then there was Champions League today. Did the same exact research. You know, because that's what you do, right? You do When you got a couple extra minutes, you start trying to figure out the stupid things. Oh, on Tuesdays, they do this. And they they play on the road. Last five games, they've done this. And just dumb things. And needless to say, Manchester City, Premier League, thought they were going to really do a number today on RB Leipzig that plays in the German League. And I'm an idiot, and I bet all my money, and I lost. I made a bunch of bets, and I lost. And I literally was looking. And there, I made, I was hedging bets. I was doing, I was watching it at Cleo's over on Chicago and Damon. And I'm just, I'm watching it with my boys, and we're sitting there, and we're like, oh, this got to happen, this got to happen. And, da, 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 da. and then I pulled out my app at the very end. I lost every single bet, every single bet I made. And the, the worst part is this, because everybody always has this complaint. Oh, if this one thing would have hit, then I would have won, right? But all I needed was for Manchester City to just win. And I had a bunch of parlay set up, and I would have been over $1,000 today. And so I'm just letting you guys know, it sucks. You got re- to put the money back in. But me, I'll take, I'll like go on hiatus. I'll, I'll feel shame, and I won't even do it for like eight days. Okay, maybe four days. All right, maybe two days. But I will reboot and it sucks because you hate putting money back in, but it happens to the best of us. And the last thing I have on my mind before we get up out of here is something that came through the text line and had to do with the Chicago Bears from the 815. It says, 
What might the Bears get if they trade the number one to the Colts? Love that. And they trade the and they trade Fields to the Texans. And then that means the Bears will end up with a CJ Stroud and a boatload of draft capital. Now I love the I love the because geez, we've been talking about this literally from every single angle that is possible in mankind. But there's but it just seems like every day you still get another another new one out there. And you heard Chris Rose say one that I thought was really cool. Trade back to four. And you trade back to four, and then another quarterback-hungry team who wants a, a Anthony Richardson or a Will Levis if Stroud and, and Young are taken early, maybe they want to move up you know, a spot or two just to beat whoever else is in the running right there. And then you get to fall back a, a, a spot more. I loved when Chris Rose said that because that, that made me feel like, oh, Bears can still get a franchise-altering defensive player and still get the draft capital that's there. Now, this one will feel to the Texans. Let's just, let's just stop. Let's just stop. The Bears are not going to trade Justin Fields. Are they? No. Okay. So no. I just want to make sure. You're my conscience right now. So I'm just. And you got no, guys like. It's, it's anything that you hear is like genuine people talk about it that say they, they will. But it's. They're 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 catching smoke from somewhere, yeah, yeah, or yeah. they're out of their minds. People are lighting them up now. It is that kind of conversation. The Justin Fields being traded from the Bears conversation is has gotten Jared Payton and Robert Griffin just upset to another level because they hate the trade conversations. Why do we keep talking about Justin Fields being tra- traded? And I feel like I'm there too. Like, come on, can we stop doing that? Well, the, the question you have to ask yourself, and this is this is where this is where the conversation stops for me. If Justin Fields, with what you know about him right now, was available in this draft, and so was Bryce Young, yeah, who would you, you take? take Bryce Young right now? 100%. With what we with what you know about Justin Fields, yes. No, you're correct. No, no, you wouldn't. Of course, I would. No, you're no, you're saying that because you know what Justin Fields did in the NFL. Yes, because you know what he did in the NFL, so you know that oh, he's good. Oh my bad, my bad. Yeah. I misheard you. I thought you said if both of them were coming out right now out of college, who would you take? Without, if, without yeah, knowing, from their, from their college tape, but yeah, without would knowing, be, without knowing yeah. that what they did in the NFL, yeah. you would one thousand percent take Bryce Young. He would be ahead, like Mel Kiper, all those guys. They were coming out at the same time. I don't know. It depends take- on how you ask. There's certain like some people I talk to are like, yeah, they still had Justin Fields rated higher than than any quarterback in this draft. So it depends on who you ask. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you asked me though. No, yeah, yeah, I did ask. <laughs> no, my question was with what you know about Justin Fields already in the NFL. Sure. If that person with what you already know is available okay. in this draft, okay, I see what you're saying. And you know, so is Bryce Young, like. Justin Fields is, would be who I would take. Because, okay, well, you know that he can already do things at this level. Yeah. It's an unpopular opinion. And I just, again, it's just the certainty at which people speak on this topic about that that makes me uncomfortable. Where everyone's just like, come on. What, like how you're saying, you know, like, come on. And I, again, I agree with you. I'm I, 100% on board with that. Yes, Justin Fields, stud, because if he can figure it out, he's going to be a top 10 quarterback in the league. And that's all you really want. But then you really got to look at his stats and you say to yourself, like, oh, ah, mm, mm. if you're just looking at stats, then you're, then, then you're no, not no, doing it. No, you're not doing it right. Oh, my God. And I'm watching the games and I'm seeing what he's doing over there. And it, it, it makes me nervous. It makes me scared. You, you, you had two wide receivers in Allen Robinson and Chase Claypool that are go up and get it, guys. And you never really built that relationship to allow them to go up and get it. Well, he never really had a chance with Claypool. Oh, he had some games. Come on. He had games where he had the opportunity to do it. There was games where Claypool played the whole game and had one target, one catch. Anyways, it makes me feel a certain type of way, but well, no, like, nobody's going to trade saying, him away. What I was saying with the stats thing is if you're just looking at his stats, then you're still not looking at the games and going, like, he made tremendous progress as a passer throughout the season. Straight up, he did. Talk to Anthony Heron about it. Him and I talk about this often, actually. <laughs> we have this argument often. Did you not hear Heron's rant at the end of the year about this? I, I, I literally, we do a show together on Fox, and I get to hear the rant every single week. But again, it's, it's, it's more about the small percentage of doubt that exists, and I want it to exist in everyone. There's more doubt about Bryce Young because you have no idea what he can do at this level. True. 
But I'm telling you, you give Justin Fields a wide receiver in the offensive line, you better hope he becomes the second coming of Josh Allen because that's what everybody's talking about. All right. I'm about to get up out of here. Tomorrow I will be on your airwaves on 670 to score from 7 to 9. So make sure you guys are hanging out with me there. And then coming up right after this, Zach Zaidman, Dave Corzine, Deep Paul versus Butler. Hopefully you guys enjoy that one. All right, mi gente, my people. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, I am Gabe Ramirez, and this is Chicago Sports Radio. Shout out to Adam Stazinski and Chris Rose, my guest today. 670 score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.